and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real-life HR situations we face every day. So I've welcomed back Corinne Tyrone, our Director of Government Relations, to talk about recent legislation around the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. So Corinne, thanks for taking some time to chat with me today. Yeah, happy to be here. On March 10th of 2021, the House and Senate passed the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. Uh, It's still pending the president's signature. However, we do believe that the legislation will be signed by the end of the week. So the American Rescue Plan Act contains a couple of notable provisions, which I'll dive into a couple more questions specifically with you. But at a glance, the act includes extension of leave benefits and tax credits from FFCRA, Earned income and child tax credit improvements for 2021, expanded unemployment insurance benefits, direct stimulus payments, worker safety, grants to impacted industries, modifications to the PPP, so the Paycheck Protection Program, extension of employee retention credit, and COBRA subsidy credit. So I thought by starting, maybe we could start with... um, overview of the extension of tax credits on FFCRA sick and family leave. Yeah, I think that's a really good place to start. So as you remember, the the leave created by FFCRA was set to expire at the end of 2020, but Congress extended FFCRA benefits in a really very moderate way under the Consolidated Appropriations Act in December. Specifically, employers were allowed to continue to offer use of any remaining leave balances to their employees. If the employees did take that leave time, the employer could take the corresponding tax credit. The employee leave balances didn't reset, and offering that continued use of leave time was entirely optional at the employer level. So again, that was a really limited extension, and it was really only available through the first quarter of this year, so it was set to expire at the end of March. So that's where we were before the American Rescue Plan Act passed, and there are a few things that have not changed under the ARP. First, the employer mandate hasn't been reinstated. And I'm calling that out specifically because the original plan that President Biden laid out when he took office called to reinstate that mandate. And it was actually a really big point of discussion as Congress was iterating on this legislation. But that mandate has not been reinstated. So under the ARP, offering the FFCRA emergency sick and family leave is still entirely optional at the employer level. Another thing that didn't change was the employee thresholds. And again, just mentioning this because this was a big point of discussion as this legislation was being crafted, and there were some um, some discussions in which they were considering including employers with more than 500 employees in the FFCRA leave requirements. But that kind of corresponded with the discussion regarding reinstating the mandate, and neither of those changes actually did get enacted. So this still only applies to employers with 500 or fewer employees. The last thing that remains the same under the ARP is that the FFCRA program is continuing to function largely as a tax credit program. And the reason that I say that is that without that mandate, employers are entirely free to decide whether they want to continue to offer the sick and family leave time. But if they do choose to do that, they're eligible to claim the federal tax credit against any FFCRA leave wages that are paid out between now and the end of September. So now that we've kind of given an overview of where we are and what has not changed under the ARP, let's touch a little bit on what has changed. 
The first is that the timeline here is being extended again. So as I mentioned, the ability to claim those credits on leave wages was extended through the first quarter of 2021 under CAA, but under the ARP, it's being extended through the end of the third quarter, so September 30th of this year. Additionally, the leave balances for the emergency paid sick leave may be reset on April 1st. Again, this is entirely optional. So you as the employer could choose not to allow continued use after March 31st, and you could choose not to reset the leave balances on April 1st. But if you would like to reset them, your employees would be eligible for up to an additional 10 days of paid sick leave. I do, just for a, a moment here, Sherry, want to call out our clients in particular. So if you're a Paylocity client and you're currently allowing that your employees to continue to use FFCRA leave time, we're automatically planning on resetting that sick leave balance on April 1st. We will be sending out several email notifications over the coming weeks um, so that if your organization doesn't want us to reset those balances, you can simply opt out. So you'll see an email from service at paylocity.com. You'll be able to um, click a button and more or less submit a request there to opt out of that um, if, that's what, if that's what you choose. But if you want us to reset those balances, no action is required from you. We will do that automatically. If you're not a Paylocity client, I would certainly encourage you to reach out to your provider and learn more about how they plan to handle that because you do need to you know, make a decision there. Anyway, uh, kind of pivoting back to the American Rescue Plan FFCRA provisions, if your employees are using that leave time for the next few quarters, you're eligible for a tax credit against those wages, just as you would have been at any point up till now. There's no change in the mechanics there. It's just an extension of the time frame for which the credit is available. Um, the last thing that I also want to mention is that ARP also makes the first two weeks of EFMLA paid time. The first two weeks were unpaid under FFCRA, meaning that employees really only had 10 weeks of paid family leave, and those first two weeks were either unpaid or paid from another PTO bucket. So, like, for example, we actually saw um, some, some of our clients using the first two weeks as their sick time. So they used the sick time for the first two weeks, and then the remaining 10 weeks were paid. Now, you would uh, functionally, you may have two weeks of sick time if your employer resets it, as well as 12 weeks of paid family leave time for a total of 14 paid weeks. Um, another note there is that that change is not retroactive. So if your employee used that time last month or used that time last year, you don't have to go back and pay those two weeks of uh, emergency family leave wages now. But if they're used for the first time on April 1st or after, that is paid time. There are also a couple of changes that I wanted to touch on regarding allowable uses. The first is that for either the paid sick leave or the paid family leave, an employee can now use that time to receive a COVID-19 vaccination or to recover from a COVID-19 vaccination. Even more significantly than that, the eligible uses for the family leave have been expanded. Originally, under the FFCRA, that time was really only allowed for one specific type of situation, um, which was you know, a pretty common situation, but uh, still a, a pretty narrow one, which is that your child, dependent child's school or place of care needed to have been closed due to a COVID-19 order. Because that child would have been home with you, you as the employee wouldn't have been able to work because you needed to take care of that child. Um, so now under the ARP, the allowable uses for family leave have been expanded really significantly and they mirror um, the allowable uses for sick leave, which as you remember, that includes quarantine for yourself, self-isolation, or if you're caring for a family member who's in quarantine or self-isolation. And then in in addition to that, this, you know, vaccination, recovering from the vaccine, or still, you know, caring for a child whose school or place of care has been closed. 
So that's really generous. It's much more generous than it was under the original CARES Act, um, especially considering that those first two weeks are now paid. From a business perspective, there's a lot to consider there. As I said, this is optional. You don't have to continue to offer uh, continued use of this time. But if you do, you may see a significant expansion in the number of employers, employees that are actually using it just because the um, allowable uses are so much greater than they were a year ago. And then lastly, I just wanted to touch on the tax credit a little bit. Um, Just as I mentioned earlier, alongside the ability to provide those first two weeks of emergency paid family leave, the limitation on the corresponding tax credit has been increased. Previously, um, it was $10,000. Now it's up to 12, so it's an additional $1,000 per week that functionally you'd be able to get that tax credit against. The ARP also allows some government employers, like state and local governments, to claim the credit. And uh, up to this point, most government employers were not able to take that credit. So that could be very significant. I also just wanted to mention one last thing, and that is that the ARP adds a non-discrimination rule if you do decide to offer FFCR. FFCRA sick and family leave going forward. And essentially what you need to know here is that if you're continuing to offer this leave, you must do so uniformly across your workforce and you can't implement any policies that favor some employees over others. If you're offering this leave and you plan to take the credit, you cannot discriminate in how you're offering that to your employees in a way that favors, for example, highly compensated employees, full-time employees over part-time, or those with more tenure than others. So again, best practice here, if you're going to offer this leave, offer it to everyone in your org that qualifies under FFCRA, um, which is essentially everyone with that minor tenure limitation for family leave. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit. I'd like to hear more about the expansion of unemployment insurance benefits. Yeah. um, Okay, sure. That has been a a hot topic over the last couple of months as well that was expanded initially under the CARES Act, which passed um, just around this time last year. And under the CARES Act, there were um, several expansions of unemployment benefits to more or less provide 400 additional dollars over and above whatever the state benefit was. And the the federal government really relied on the state agencies to help them administer that. Um, And that has since been extended uh, multiple times just to ensure that those individuals that have been separated from employment um, are still able to, you know, make ends meet more or less. And what has um, been included in the ARPA is that that additional uh, federal supplemental unemployment benefit has been extended again. It is at $300 per week over and above the state benefits this time, as opposed to four. And it has been extended through September 6th of this year. That's a a pretty generous extension of time. It actually increases the total time that an individual may be eligible for unemployment benefits to 74 weeks, which is up from 50, which was already, um, you know, a a significant increase from what you would normally have seen um, under other circumstances. Um, I I have one last call out that I want to make about um, unemployment, and it's that this act also created the ability for those first $10,200 in unemployment that was paid in 2020 to be exempt from federal income tax. So that's a pretty significant um, change and a significant benefit to those individuals who did have to uh, rely on this unemployment assistance. It's a really good call out. Um, what has um, the act shown for modifications to the Paycheck Protection Program or PPP? 
actually relatively minor, but definitely worth um, touching on. So the, the Paycheck Protection Program, which was also created by the CARES Act, has been a really popular program um, for the last you know several months. It's it's been a, a huge lifeline for a lot of small businesses. And one of the things that um, was a little bit left out during some of those initial conversations were nonprofit entities. So what really happened under the ARPA that's that's pretty significant is that certain nonprofit entities like 501c3s um, are now potentially eligible for that where certain conditions are met. So this could be um, an amazing this could be an amazing change for those types of organizations. And I also want to just mention that in general, for anyone taking a PPP loan, whether they're a nonprofit or not, those uh, anything any funding that you get through the PPP program, if you are then going to request that 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 be forgiven, whatever those uses that you use that money for were, you can't also be applying those same wages against any other type of uh, credit. So, for example, if you are um, if you are offering the FFCRA leave to your workforce and you have individuals that are taking that time and you are you know, paying wages to them for that, you cannot take both the tax credit against those wages as well as use your PPP funding to pay those wages, which will then be forgiven. So basically, you just need to be mindful of not creating a situation in which you're like double dipping against the funding. So um, that's just something to be mindful of as you're planning, because if you are trying to take advantage of multiple types of relief and you are trying to take advantage of um, getting some loan forgiveness as well as taking tax credits, you can certainly do that and you can certainly plan the way that you want to spend that PPP funding to take advantage of all of those different types of relief. It just requires kind of a careful eye to make sure that you're doing that correctly. So with that, has there been changes to the employee retention credit? Yeah, there have been some. So, But primarily what has changed in terms of the employee retention credit is is um, a, a continuation of the expansion of the framework that was created under the CAA. So as you probably recall, at the end of last year, um, the CAA changed um, some of the like thresholds that the employers are working with in terms of the employee retention credit. And for the remainder of this year, those changes will remain in place through the end of December. So originally those were set to expire June, uh, June 30th, and now they are extended for those last two quarters of the year. So specifically for the remainder of this year, employers with 500 or fewer employees can take the employee retention credit for any wages that are paid during a period where their business operations were partially or fully suspended due to a COVID-19 governmental order or during which their business had a significant decline in gross receipts. And for any of those wages that they're taking that credit against, it would be 70% credit against the first $10,000 in wages per employee per quarter through the end of the year. So that's a pretty significant expansion. Originally, um, under uh, CARES last year, the the thresholds for who might be eligible for this were a little bit different. So in order to take it against any wages, you had to have 100 or fewer employees. So this opens this up to a a really big chunk of employers across the country to really take advantage of that relief. Um, One other change under ARPA that is worth calling out is that the Act also creates a $50,000 per quarter limit on the employee retention credit for periods after June 30th for certain employers. So those that were established after February 15th of 2020 and with an average annual gross receipt of under a million dollars. Good to point out. 
A um, couple more things I wanted to talk about. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on the COBRA subsidy credits? Yeah. So the ARPA provides a 100% subsidy for employee COBRA premiums between the period of April 1st and September 30th of 2021 for any employees who were not voluntarily separated from employment. So um, calling out that time period because it's not retroactive. You know, if you had people last year who were on COBRA and they're no longer on COBRA, you don't have to go back and um, provide this subsidy. But if you have people that are on COBRA now for the those premiums that will need to be paid after April 1st, they could qualify for this 100% subsidy. This credit is allowed against employee Medicare tax and may be claimed either on your quarterly 941 filing or on the Form 7200 if the credit is substantial enough that you want to try to get that sooner. And last one for this, uh, grants impacted to small businesses. What is the provision in the act for those? Yeah, another great question. So um, more or less what this is, is that they're trying to create additional relief for certain types of industries. So like, for example, we all know that like the restaurant industry has been hit really hard by this pandemic. People aren't going out as much. It's just it's just a lot more difficult for those organizations to um, stay up and running. So what, they're, what they've created now is the uh, availability of some grants from the SBA that are true grants. It's not like the PPP loan. Um, it's it's simply you would be available to possibly receive a grant from the SBA that would be calculated based on pandemic-related revenue loss. So there are some limitations here, of course, um, one of them being that the actual amount of the grant is limited to $5 million per location or $10 million per entity. So if you're um, if you have multiple locations. And um, as I kind of touched on a little bit earlier when we were talking about um, not applying the same type of relief to the same type of funds in your organization, these grants, the the calculations might be reduced by, let's say you already had a PPP loan forgiven. This grant may be a little bit diminished by something like that or other, um, other relief that has already been received by your organization. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to go through um, some of the details in the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. Before we close out the show today, I do want to make one note that we will be having a webinar on this act on Monday, the 15th. So I will include the registration link in our show notes if you're interested in attending and getting even a little bit deeper with this topic uh, with Corinne and I on Monday. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.